This is Comstay Live. I'm Graham Lynch. Welcome to the show. Well, this week, TPG Telecom did its full year results for last year, and they were pretty good, at least compared to the last couple of years, where they were being hit by COVID and some of the um, stresses of moving to the MB, moving its fixed customer base largely to the MBN, and um, some of the pains associated with its merger. Um, the revenues were up 1.5%. Um, gross margin was up 16.4%. And EBITDA was up 23.6%. A good set of results and definitely their best set of results since the merger between TBG and Vodafone a few years back. I spoke with CEO Inaki Beretta after he conducted his analyst call um, for the results. Um, and I, I, I observed that... Uh, he seemed quite optimistic on that call. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, once you come out of a, you know, a pandemic <laughs> and a merger and having to refresh all your network, everything at the same time, everything looks optimistic, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's start off the, let's look at the mobile results. Um, mm -hmm. As you mentioned just there, you know, the end of COVID obviously helped with international roaming and, 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 and um, the comeback of uh, more tourists and visitors and, and temporary residents. Yeah. But looking forward, uh, I was very interested um, to hear you talking about things such as tweaking your, your brand strategy and also the simplification of the tariffs mm -hmm. um, yeah. down to some sort of distinct three plans. What impact do you think um, things like that are going to have on your top and bottom line um, over the ensuing six to 12 months? Look, I think, I mean, there are different angles on this. So the first one is we we started uh, and we did talk a lot about, about this in the in the investor day we we did last uh, last year, half year. Um, we started a pretty big exercise to simplify the business. And that touched many different points. And I, starting with products, looking at our brands, looking at all the systems at platforms. And the reason why we do that is twofold. One of them is make the life of customers easier. Uh, and the other one is making our life easier. So having an infrastructure that is more agile, that is, um, less costly in terms of, of uh, managing and running it. So it's really an efficiency exercise while we make the products to our customers more simple. So that, that's really the, the, main, the, main, um, the main target. We also did that at a time where uh, many of these initiatives help us to deliver the synergies that we announced during the merger and that has had a very good effect on a year that has been highly inflationary. We managed to keep our cost structure flat. So I think that that we have seen uh, a lot of benefit. Um, the impact on, on top and bottom line, look, we doing this simplification of, of, um, of products at the same time that we are introducing significant new technology. Uh, and that is why uh we have done some uh price movements uh with this simplification because it gives us the opportunity to to charge a bit more for much more value that we are providing our customers with these new products 
uh, and also uh, be able to deliver better returns that ensure this level of investment that we will continue to do. So last year, we invested about $1 billion. A big part of that is 5G. We continue to invest in fiber, so our fast fiber product on on uh, on enterprise has worked really well in 2022 and continues to do and and then the other part of the investment is really around all this infrastructure modernization simplification that i was talking okay now um of course we've got the appeal um on the hcc's rejection of the uh network sharing agreement of telstra taking place right now mm -hmm. and what, whatever happens it, it delays a resolution and obviously there's uncertainty around what that ultimate decision may be. How has that impacted um, your revenue trajectory and, and your network build strategy in particular? Have you had to put everything on hold while you wait to see what's going to happen or are you proceeding as though it will happen? Well, we never put things on hold. At the end of the day, life continues. And I think that, you know, we, we always have things to do. Uh, our 5G deployment last year was very strong. Uh, our 5G deployment this year is as strong and we will still continue to do that because most of our 5G investment now, it is really concentrated in the area where more customers live. So we are doing a 5G upgrade in the zero to 80 population and that still has uh, at least a couple of years more to go. So there is not really much uh, impact on the decision. I think the decision, the impact is more on on the on what we bring to the market immediately. And I think that you know we have we are doing a we're growing in 2022 in the absence of Mokan. We are projecting a, a good year in 2023. We gave guidance for the first first time in EBITDA in the absence of of any any particular decision because if the decision happens you know mid of the year i think the impact in 2023 will will be limited mm. uh, but the reality is um, that we believe that this uh, network share agreement with telstra will definitely bring immediate uh, benefit to customers um, much much sooner than any other you know uh, return that we will get out of it uh, to us, the, the fact that this uh, this technological solution is something that you can implement today. We're talking about something that, if this is approved, is a matter of weeks to put it in operation. We're not talking about hypothetical future things. We're really talking about something that the benefit is tangible immediately, and the benefit is that you know we we will be in 98.6 uh, population uh, coverage which means that our customers get an immediate um, geographical coverage improvement. A lot of customers that today have no alternative will have another alternative. I mean, as an example, with, with this deal, we will be present in 700 black spots that today, for the most of it, they have a single operator. That public benefit is something that is implementable almost immediately after the approval. Mm. So that is really what I think is at play in this decision, which is, is something real, is something that happens now, is something that brings a lot of public benefit. And if you look at the reaction of one of my competitors, is clearly very competitive.
<laughs> okay. Um, just moving on um, with Vision Networks, um, it's obviously a review taking place as to what you want to do with Vision. Yeah. Um, but, but the wording um, around that seems very uh, open-ended. Is it fair to say that you may end up not selling it at all and that you'll hold on to it as, a, as an asset? Yeah, it is open-ended. <clears throat> that's the reality. And that's why it is an, a strategic review because there are different options. So in essence, what we see is an asset with 400,000 premises, roughly 30% penetration. So still a long way to go to increase the penetration of connected premises in, in those past uh, premises in a market that roughly has about 250,000 new premises built on any given year. So in that scenario, we do think that there are different ways of generating more value in vision. Uh, and that's why we are doing a strategic review that you know may have different ends to it. Okay, now um, in, in the fixed wireless area, you had a very strong year. Um, if I recall when we spoke about a year ago, <laughs> almost to the day, um, you, you were looking at a 160,000 subscriber target and you beat that easily. You, you came in at 171K. Yeah. Um, and I think at the time you said your goal was to get up to about 400,000 originally. So after a year of reflection and the experience of, of deploying, mm -hmm. um, what, what are your feelings about the future of that product and, and how it fits into the business? Yeah, look, we maintain a bit our view on it. So we we always said that this is probably a, a technology that can serve roughly 20% of our broadband base. We have reached almost midpoint very quickly. Um, and the reason why we did that is because we really wanted to make the product known. And we also wanted to take the opportunities that it offers around margin. From now on, um, it's, it's going to be more business as usual. It is a product that has a very good place in our home broadband proposition. It is an entry point for home broadband. We are selling fixed wireless at $54.99 a month on TPG, for example. Um, it is a product that still offers very good margins for us. But it's a product that we're going to sell in combination with with MBN and and other technologies. So, yeah, I think that we wanted to reach this point quickly. Um, probably last year we did a bit more than what we thought we could do. Um, and like I said, from now on, you may see a bit less promotional activity on the product. So we'll probably ease off on that front because the product is more known and. And, uh, and I think that now will be more like a business as usual part of our proposition. You will see it on our, on, on, you know, on our different brands advertised together with other technologies. Okay. Now, you just mentioned NBN, of course. Um, right now, um, we're in the final weeks of a decision about its 20-year its special access undertaking. And part of that mm -hmm. is a proposed um, quite steep price rise um, on the core product, 50 megabits a second. Um, I'd be interested in your thoughts on how you think that's going to play out um, and you know, if you feel the regulator um, will take account of your concerns. And, and if they don't and that price rise is approved, what will it mean for TPG? Well, I think the question is, well, what will it mean for the customers in, 
in Australia of, of home broadband. Um, it's obvious that if if you take a product like MBM50, which nowadays, you know, you can describe that by any standard as an entry point of home broadband. Um, and in the absence of any incremental speeds or, or anything, it, it becomes a, a product that is going to be more expensive every year. Uh, we are concerned about the implications that that will that that will have for 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 Australian consumers. Mm. Uh, for us, look, I think that we have managed the margins of our fixed broadband in two ways last year. One of them is, uh, like we were speaking before, with with fixed wireless, so looking for alternative infrastructure to provide this service. But also in October, we did increase uh, our MBN pricing to reflect the incremental cost that MBN is passing us through the wholesale prices. We think that, they, you know, it's, it's very fair for the MBN to, to increase their ARPU. Uh, but as we have submitted, we don't think that the way to increase ARPU that they have proposed is the proper one. We believe that this type of entry point products need to be affordable and need to be maintained affordable. And ARPU growth needs to come from the ability of MBN to bring better services, higher speeds uh, that are going to be upsell by retailers uh, and that will bring incremental revenues to MBN. Okay. Um, final question. Um, the results in your enterprise unit were very strong and particularly when compared to other telcos such as Telstra and Optus who've been obviously losing revenue share to NBN as it builds yeah. out its business network. What's the secret to TPG success here that you've managed to withstand that tide? Well, look, I think that there is a combination of factors in the market that probably um, need to be considered. So on one side, you know, all the all the margin squeeze that we have seen in uh, in consumer on the migration to MBN, we've seen something similar on enterprise. So the reality of legacy products disappearing from the market is is creating a, a margin loss for all the players, and I think that we are not immune to that. What we have been doing to to respond to that is um, leverage on our core investments. So fast fiber is a product that we have uh, performed very well. We have also leveraged on MBN new products. So we, we still remain, I believe, the number one retailer of enterprise Ethernet. And that is a product that, you know, we have always said that is going to be a big part of our proposition. And these two things have allowed us to also grow uh, customers and bring some important customers onto onto our brand. So that's that's basically it. I think that you know we, we, we came from from a from an ambition to make enterprise a one billion dollar um, business uh, on the back of all these initiatives and also on the back of being able to cross sell mobile. Uh, we think that the mobile side is a bit more subject in terms of performance on the Moken uh, approval. But the other part, everything that has to do with our <clears throat> fixed infrastructure, is is performing very well. So we are we are happy. There is still there is still you know headwinds around this legacy 
products, you know, the appetite for customers to pay for voice is, is, is living because, you know, it's, it's not a required product anymore. So you do see, you know, copper products uh, disappearing, voice revenues disappearing. And what we do is really to innovate and create more opportunities around more future-proof products. Okay. Well, we're out of time. Um, and thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us in Arkham. My pleasure. Well, that's it for Comms Day Live this week. See you next time.